I'm going to go to a coffee shop and not ask for a takeout. I'm going to ask for a mug so that I'm forced to sit there and read my book and journal and like sit with my boobs out or something. I don't know. That's what Europe is. Totally. (laughs) I'm like, (laughs) doesn't everyone in Spain do that? Friends by accident. Podcast hosts on purpose. This is what you get when two Canadian women who come from completely different backgrounds serendipitously meet in a Brooklyn apartment. This is Accidental Friends with Aline Degan and Kristen Mandela. Hi, babies. Hello, hello, honeys. It is a brand new week. Mm-hmm. And I'm actually feeling like a person this week. I was feeling a little down in the dumps last week. I always get a little bit of a winter slump. And that yeah. slump was January 1st to the eighth <laughs> for me especially because the december is like so so busy that you mm-hmm. almost like don't take a second to just stop yeah unless absolutely. you listen to our last podcast episode or one of our last ones that said to take a moment of peace yes but we're really bringing it back here we're trying to do things a little for full circle yeah absolutely moment. and um i'm really excited about this episode actually because me it was too. al's idea but when she said it i was like uh-huh that's what i want to talk about too that's it um yeah and it's kind of going to be wrapping around this idea of community versus individualism and i know that sounds mm-hmm. a little um up in the air but what we really want to talk about right now is like living in a big city how that's affecting us through the pandemic and and kind of yeah. where we are in world's history things are kind of all (laughs) over the place and especially in Toronto where we're both from um lots of changes have been going on and kind of just how our life goals have like aligned Mm -hmm. with the city and how they haven't and also me sharing some pretty big news so um yeah do you want to jump into it let's freaking go like my little teaser there (laughs) I do love it that was like (laughs) such a like such a good little hook Chris do you work in social media (laughs) somehow and hardly (laughs) (laughs) Both at the same time. Yeah, exactly. Um, I almost like I feel like I don't even know where to start with okay. this Do you want me to conversation. Kick it off? Yeah, kick it off because I I know what I want to talk about, but I'm like, don't I think it'll know. get drawn out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so I basically want to first start it, and I'm gonna just send it back to like OG times because obviously you you grew up in Toronto, but like more North York of Toronto, which yes. for those of the, you that are familiar with the GTA, it's still definitely within city limits, but it's not in the hustle and bustle. I'd say it's more in the mm-hmm. suburbs of Toronto. And I do think that when that happens, you have a very different understanding of the city. Whereas yeah, for I sure. think, and I think with me too, I grew up in more of a residential area and like the downtown, mm-hmm. downtown. I was like, oh my God. Golly land. me. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and it does get romanticized. Oh my God, you're going full Minnesota housewife too I know. with the golly, golly me. me. But Love it does, it. It, get, it gets romanticized. And yeah. when you get to go downtown and go to movies with your friends, you're like, wow, holy shit. Like it doesn't really feel like my city yet. You know what I mean? But yes. I think now we've both been in more of like the city center. We've yeah. moved around. It definitely feels like we're very familiar with the city. It has lost yeah, yeah, its yeah. shine a little bit I think especially for me mm. um but it is a place that we both feel very comfortable with we know directionally yeah. where we're going and we feel very comfortable navigating and it feels like home yeah agreed eh, not to that last part for me but anyway so my struggle right now is that when we talk about community versus individualism especially I think in the winter months which is what we're in the thick of now I feel super isolated and it feels like it takes a lot of effort to bring people together in our lives, obviously coming off the holidays when it's not Mm -hmm. around drinking or going out. Like there's not a lot of spaces in Toronto where you can go other than to like obviously have a coffee that aren't based around like spending money in some way. Like there's no places to just like exist for free here anymore. And it's actually a phenomenon called like the loss of third places and third places are like 
places that you can go, like a library, like a public library. Oh, where it I doesn't didn't realize cost that that any, was an actual thing. Yeah, it's a place where you can go in an urban setting that doesn't cost any money for you to be there and you can meet other people of the community in the same way. So there's like natural meetings that can happen, but it don't co- doesn't cost any money. And so those places- So what is an example? Like I've never heard of Other than before. a library? Yeah. Um, honestly, I mean, it kind of dep- is weather dependent, obviously, but like plazas are very popular as like third places. It doesn't cost any money for you to be there, like cent- center, oh. city centers. Um, yeah. Okay. I get it But now. the whole problem is that I don't have a lot of examples of it because they don't really exist, especially in North American culture, especially yeah. in co- countries or cities that have like very- big swings in weather because obviously mm-hmm. other than like in the park or in the summer obviously parks are like so popular yeah. in toronto yeah. like you couldn't Huge. pass through like a square foot of grass without stepping on like four people sharing a bottle of wine you know what i mean mm-hmm. which i love yeah. i love toronto in the summer but it's because it literally operates as a completely different city as it does in the other months yeah agreed um and i think for me it's getting harder to stay patient in those other months for like the glisten yes. of the months that it's really great yeah. and livable you know what i'm saying do you and I don't know how that, that resonates for you, but do you think a part of that? So, do you think a part of that has to do with the fact that you live so far out east? Like you, live I, I do think that it's contributed to from it. the city center. Yeah, and I'm not talking like a young and Dundas. Like I mean, like you love a good Queen West and absolutely, and like you know, you love a good. Kensington. I like the good like hustle and bustle. I am a bit of a city metropolitan gal for sure. Yeah, so. I'm I think that's been a struggle. Do you think that has to do with that? And then, and I think where that comes in too, and I feel that way when I'm up at my parents and I'll explain like my situation moving forward for the year too, but mm-hmm. I feel that up here because as much as like I can drive down to the city very easily, like it's, I say a half hour, 35, 40 minute drive, mm-hmm. which doesn't, which may seem like a lot to a lot of people if you live in a smaller town or whatever it is. Um, but that to me in Toronto feels so short, short. Mm-hmm. It feels like if I was living downtown at my place and then I was going across to Eucharist, like right. yeah, I course. feel like that distance is like maybe 20, 25 minutes. Absolutely. And considering I'm actually in the city, um so sorry that's what I was getting to is that I think when I'm up here I feel that a little bit because it's not as easy for me to if I want to go Just for a walk and grab car. a coffee yeah. or something like it's a it, it's actually like a 20 minute walk at right. least half an yeah, hour that's walk how I and feel it's well. not an interesting walk like it's yeah. not a you're not seeing like I, I mean also I grew up in this neighborhood so there's that that it's like the the gloss of it is done right you're um, not and like also just a new the transit place. system the transit yeah, system absolutely. is so terrible in the city that mm-hmm. in my area if i want to take a bus i have to wait half like if i miss the bus it's half an hour right and that's back when it was i think a good one i've heard all this all this roar of like ttc changing and all that stuff so that was back in the day when it was i think a pretty good system i don't know maybe i'm yeah who knows what it's at now yeah. Right. I totally I, I totally get that. And I think there is a part of me, for anyone that doesn't know, obviously, I used to live right in the thick of it downtown, especially through the pandemic and also probably yeah. through through most of my life I've, ever since I've moved out. I've m- moved – I've lived downtown and especially in the West End. And now I'm living kind of in the East End in a more of a residential kind of like young family yeah. neighborhood. And I did that intentionally. Like I wanted to live out here, especially when I wanted a little bit more peace and quiet during the yeah. pandemic. And I felt like it was just felt cleaner and – more access to green spaces and stuff like that. But I definitely yeah, totally. have struggled with it. I think my problem is, is that this feeling has felt persistent through my time no matter where I lived. I think I was more distracted 
not distracted. There was more stuff yeah. going on when I was downtown. Yeah, yeah. But I think the biggest thing for me, and I think this is what you and I have spoken about before in terms of like Toronto, is that you really feel like Toronto feels like your home and you really love living here, whereas I've never felt that way and I've grown up here. So oh, I yeah. think that's where, like when I'm walking downtown, like I don't feel at home. Like I don't love it here ever. I've never really felt that feeling. Really, eh? No. Yeah, it's something I've so written about in my journals even like as – like yeah far back as like six seven years ago I've just always been like I think that there's like another place that I must find that must make me feel like how people talk about living at home because I just never really was like there's times where I've loved living here but it didn't feel like home like I kind of just didn't feel like I don't know it's difficult to explain but it's been an isolating feeling to be sure yeah I didn't know that you didn't feel that Toronto was didn't feel like home I knew you always liked I mean, you've traveled so much that I can understand if you were like, I've been to this place and this place made me feel a certain way. I think for me, Toronto, it's less about um, the city itself feeling like home, but more about the people that make me feel like it's home. Like my whole family's here. My best friends live like... I say pretty close. Like it's just... Mm -hmm. That element of it, of course, yeah. Do you know what I mean? For sure. that being said, like... I have felt more peace living abroad for Mm. sure. Like here I feel homey because of the people. Right. And that would make it very hard for me to leave. Like I don't want to leave my family. I don't want to leave my nephew. I don't want to leave my best friends, especially Mm -hmm. if you want to get into community, especially because of the fact that I do want to have kids. And I think it would be very, very difficult to do that in a place outside of the city where I don't have the help of my family or, you know, of friends and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. But the peace I felt being like this past summer, going back to like Spain and Portugal, that feeling of regardless of who's there, I feel so calm Mm -hmm. and relaxed and free. It's, that's a different view. I don't know how to explain it. Like it's you're really juggling both. Right. And that's how I think I've been juggling for a really long time. And it's such an interesting thing that you brought up Spain because that's literally what my news is, is that I'm moving to Spain with Andres in September. Yeah. Yay. And so exciting. And it is very exciting. And I think a big part of that is like that is something that I've been wrestling with a long time is my whole family is here and it's just by circumstance, right? Like you don't choose where you're born. You don't choose where you're from. It's just this lottery of life that happens. And I'm not saying that I feel disenfranchised or anything by having family growing up in Toronto. I'm so grateful to have been brought up here. I just think there is a sense of it does feel tethering me. It it, it does tether me to this place that I don't necessarily feel called to live in. And that is something that I've wrestled with for a long time. And I think that's also something that's kept me here for a very long time. Mm-hmm. and being in kind of the more of a realm of being like, okay, well, do I want to have a family? What does that look like? I think this is more of an exploratory trip. We're going because we want to see what it's like to live somewhere else, and mm-hmm. I'd really like to become fluent in Spanish to be able to connect more with Andre's family and also with our future family to be able to have them yeah, yeah. grow up in a bilingual household, and I don't think I'm going to be able to do that with my bi- with my Duolingo yeah. solely. <laughs> you know what totally. I mean? Totally. No, no. You'll um, be, we just need to, I just need to like live crazy. there for like six months and I'll get a much better sense of what's going on. 100%. But I think the one thing that's Especially been, because you already have like a base. I have the basics. I took a, yeah. I, did, I took a year in university and then since then I've like traveled a lot to Spanish speaking countries. Yeah. But I think 
the one thing, and I don't know if this resonates with you at all, is like there doesn't feel like, and I, <laughs> and I laugh because when my family moved, like they were, my mom was from Oakville. My dad grew up in the city, but they were able to buy a house with like a $10,000 loan. Mm. And although obviously that was quite a few years ago, that was like 30 years ago. So that's mm-hmm. $10,000 is a lot of money then, but it still doesn't equate to how much money people are getting from their parents to be able to put yeah. a down payment on a house or even a yeah. condo. And I think the f- looking at the future, I don't feel hope here. Like I don't feel like super mm. buzzing with like, oh, I'm going to get a house. I'm like, well, where would I? Because I can't aff- like even in the area that I'm in, we like I'll look sometimes and be like, oh, this oh, house God. is $4.2 million. You know what your I mean? Your area and is not I know, like- I know. But even even in your area though, like even in like, I don't yeah. want to give a docs yeah, and yeah, say yeah. where your na- neighborhood is, but in the West End, if you look at a detached house in the West End of Toronto, you're looking at the same price tag, if not more. And it's like, yeah, I- feel this dread like not dread but like a hopelessness and I don't want to move an hour or two out. I don't want to go to Pickering yeah. I don't want to move outside of the city because then that's defeating the whole purpose of me being beside near my community you know what yeah. I mean yeah I want to go to Keswick no hate to those places I'm sure they're beautiful totally. but that's not where yeah, my yeah, family yeah. or anything no is. I know and that also so, I don't want to drive everywhere yeah this is where we differ right in that sense is that give it to me <laughs> Like I under I totally understand the feeling of dread. I 100% like I get that it's it's not even I get it. It is fact that it mm-hmm. is not easy for people of our generation to buy homes at the same rate that our parents did Mm-mm. or as easily as like nonchalantly I want to say right. as our parents did like, like people that is, have full-time jobs now would never be able process. to buy a house where that was something that was very feasible for people that like two working full-time working people two yeah. incomes would easily be able to purchase a home 20 yeah. 30 years ago so for me I always knew I wanted to have roots in Toronto like that was I never I, I did always see myself like maybe living somewhere else for a, a portion of time, but mm-hmm. I knew that my, I would settle in Toronto. Um, and so when I left university, when I graduated, holy shit, 10 years ago, um, I had said that in five years I want to buy a condo. And I think I was delusional as to how much it would cost, like what it actually the entailed, process, yeah. the process, like all of it. But in five years, I did buy a condo. Mm-hmm. But I want to be very, very open about how I bought it. I was at time. I was living at home till I was twenty eight. Mm-hmm. I would work two, three jobs, and I saved, and I didn't have to pay rent when I was living at home, which I know some people do. And so I'm very, very lucky that I never had to do that. If my mom ever took rent, rent, and I'm using quotation marks, it's because she was saving it away to give it to me later mm-hmm. when I needed it. So, um, I'm, I'm, I come from a place of huge privilege in that aspect. And then the way I bought my place and I tell so many people this because I want to be very transparent. I remember when I'd see people buying homes or like they'd purchase this and that, I kind of was just like, what do you do? How much money do you make? How much did that cost? And not as like a nosy way, but I want to know for myself, like how much do I need to do? What do I need to do? So I bought my place in 2018 Mm -hmm. and I had saved up like quite a good chunk. And then that year my brother got married and I realized I am nowhere near getting married. Mm -hmm. (laughs) 
And so I asked my parents for my wedding gift. I said, oh, I want wow. my wedding gift. I was single. I want, I, I was like, that. yeah, I said, I want my wedding gift because the portion, the like amount that they gave to my brother, they had, this is something that they had saved for like throughout our lives. Um, and so I had asked my parents for my wedding gift and I said, I want my wedding gift now because if you wait to give it to me, I don't know when I'm going to get married. And if you wait to give it to me by the time I'm married, I may not be able to afford to get into the market mm-hmm. with that amount. Right. But I know I can do it now with the amount that you give me for my wedding gift and the amount that I have saved. And then I took out a loan mm-hmm. to um, pad it. And so that, I mean, I could have gotten it with the amount, but I wanted the 20, the benefits of the 20% down, whatever. Right. Anyway, that's getting too into detail. Yeah, you're but losing me. <laughs> I'm like, I don't know. I, my anyway, I had a chunk of mine. I asked my parents for a wedding gift. Right. And then I asked for, a, I, I got a loan yes. to pad it. And I gave that as my 20% down payment. Okay. And that's how I got into the market. Right. So, and then because I had a loan, I moved back home and I rented my place out. Right. So I moved back home to pay back my loan Mm -hmm. and then moved in finally at the age of, I think I was, I had just turned 28, like two months prior I had turned 28 and I moved into my condo. I remember it well. And also it's a tiny place. So for me, I was we never. We love her though. We love her. We love her. She's so freaking cute. She's but so it was never. Cute, but she's small. She is small. She's small. Yeah. And it's not a place where two people can live. Mm-hmm. And it was, for me, it was honestly all about getting in the market. Right. That's all I cared about. I wasn't really, because I knew that you can build wealth through that. Right. It's not a matter of like, I don't want, I don't care to get into the market by buying a one bedroom, a two right. bedroom, a, a massive and you knew it wasn't going to be like your family home. It was just exactly. a, 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 foot, I just a footstep was, into it or whatever. Yeah. It was a way to start building my wealth and my future family's wealth. And I, I literally said, I was like, give me my wedding gift now so that I can buy this condo and it will be in my family. That's, right. that's what the point of it was. Right. So you're so saying a, you're smarter than me. No, I'm no just you I are ju- very financially literate, though, and it's something that I admire in you. I just feel like for me, it was kind <laughs> of like I'm not delusional in the sense of like what my money can buy, mm-hmm. but I'm delusional in how simple it can be. I see. If that makes sense. Totally. And I think I hear that story and obviously I'm very impressed and I'm very proud of you because I know it's something that Thanks, you worked girl. super fucking hard for, like without yeah. a doubt. But I also hear that and I'm like, that's unfair that you had to work that hard and live at home until 28 and work three jobs and do all these things to be able to afford a hundred percent a bachelor condo you know what i mean a hundred percent and it doesn't it doesn't diminish the accomplishment i think it's incredible but it speaks to just how like that much money would have gone so far yeah if the market wasn't so unequal and it wasn't like so so incredibly expensive like prohibitively expensive and i think I don't, I think it's amazing that you got into the market and I think it's a unique story and I think it's something that like a lot of people like look back on and being like, shit, that would have been like a really good idea to do, to be honest, like me, myself included. But um, yeah, there is a part of me that's like, oh, this injustice that it 100%. wasn't more accessible to you and that you had to stay home for so long. Like yeah. I talked to my one friend that was saying the same thing because we were, I was complaining about the same thing that we're talking about now. Yeah. <laughs> and he was like, well, like all my friends have places and I was like, yeah, but they're 30 and just moved out and they all have condos exactly. 45 minutes outside the city center. Like they're yeah. all in Scarborough, Mississauga. Yeah. And I'm like, that's not what I'm talking that's not, about. Right. That's not what I, I'm saying. See, for they me, it worked was at home for um, a decade at high paying, nice corporate jobs. Yeah. 
The difference was that I wanted to buy for location as opposed to size. Right. So if I wanted to buy for size at that time, I could have easily bought somewhere way up north. But I'm in my, I'm personally my dream neighborhood. And also I want to say that like during the times that I lived at home, I traveled, I went here and there. Of course. But I was like, "Eh." but if I wanted to go out at night, I would drive a lot of the time Mm because I didn't want to spend money on Ubers. And I remember when I first moved downtown, one of the biggest things for me was, oh my God, I get to walk to a bar and get to drink and I don't have to spend money on an Uber home. Whereas when I was living at home, it was like, okay, I guess I won't drink tonight. I guess I'm just going to like go and whatever, which was fine. But yeah, that's not the same. Like you miss out on those like fun, like 22, 23, 24, 25 years. And also being able to just be present in the night because you're always thinking about, oh, I got to like change over the parking. Did I park? Yeah, (laughs) truly. Yeah, absolutely. So it's not to say that it was like, this was the easiest thing ever and whatever. It's you do make sacrifices, but I wasn't miserable no. During that time. And I also have a very great home family life. Yes. That you, I you like being home. I can I live at home. So Absolutely. that's also another facet for people because some people can't live at home. Absolutely. Yeah. I you know? was somebody that was asked to leave home at a certain time. Like I had a deadline to leave, to move out yeah, in 2017 exactly. or 2016 or whatever. And she was just like, you got a few months, find a yeah. place. And I was like, all right. See okay. You later. Guess I'm leaving. Yes, I'm out of here. Um, so... So whenever you move to Spain, I guess, like, what are you hoping to find there? Okay. So there's a few things, and I want to come back to this idea of, like, money mindset and, like, a positive relationship with money because I think that's something that affects a lot of people, and I think that's something that you have a much better money mindset than I have, and it's Mm -hmm. something that we've talked about before, wherein, like, I have a lot of guilt around money growing Mm -hmm. up in a privileged life in like an upper middle class environment um going abroad very young and seeing poverty for the first time and being very overwhelmed like my brain was not able to handle it we've talked about that in earlier episodes but like how it affected my mindset around money is that I don't feel like I want to save it because it feels like hoarding and it feels like keeping it from other people and that's not how money works at least not on my scale that Jeff Bezos should be up at night and Bill Gates should be up at night thinking about those things, but not me (laughs) who has no savings and is just like floating through life. You know (laughs) know what I mean? Like it's not me having extra money doesn't mean that I'm being a hoarder of wealth, but I have to unravel that concept and allow myself Mm -hmm. to have financial freedom and financial comfortability because um, it is a a form of self-sabotage and a way that I'm limiting myself. And I think- by moving abroad I'm not saying like oh I'm just gonna like fix all these things but one thing that I do really appreciate about Spanish culture in particular is their work-life balance Mm. and their way of approaching life not through like a lens of making money and the next steps in this hamster wheel it is kind of in this way of slowing down savoring and cherishing moments and like I like the going out for dinner at 9 p.m and you never get kicked out of the restaurant and you're just like present and enjoying those things and I know that sounds maybe counterintuitive but I do think in a way it will heal my relationship with money because things Mm -hmm. cost a lot less and you're able to actually live um obviously salaries and stuff are less as well but like the cost of living and existing is so much lower and I'm kind of just looking for a way of removing myself from the Toronto buzz Mm -hmm. And this pressure that I I constantly feel that I'm never really reaching my expectation. I'm never making enough. You know what I'm saying? I kind of want to extract myself from that and 
just reset my my money mindset, my relationship in general with it. And from then just live. I don't know how to explain it, but um, my only way of taking myself out of it is literally to go as far away because I, I think yeah. I do find that I can easily distract myself here, right? Like I can go up to my parents' cottage. I can go out for coffee with you. I can do all these things, but how yeah. can I really repair this relationship that I've fractured that I, I haven't really actively fractured, but you know what I'm saying? Like totally. I've, it was really hard for me to ever think of myself as being wealthy because I did think of it as being very selfish. And I think I just need to try to make a life somewhere else. And that's not the only motivation for going. Totally. But I do think that Andres and I have talked a lot about this work-life balance and I, this idea of going to a place that allows you to exist without it costing so much. Yeah, <laughs> um, it's and true. And also I have a really terrible seasonal depression and – I have a re- like it really throws me off balance when I'm here for the winter and I yeah. don't do any winter sports um and it just feels like I'm running from my apartment to the car and back and I mm-hmm. just I really would like to try to live somewhere that is warmer year round just to see what it's like. I think I'll miss the fall and the spring obviously. But it's not but like you can never come back. No, exactly. And I think I'm not ready to have kids just yet, so I think this is kind of like a now or never. Yeah, Let's just totally. give it a try. Yep. And I also really appreciate a lot of things about Spanish slash European parenting. I don't know about all uh, European as like a really wide kind of net to to throw, but I like that kids are just part of the family. And I mean that by like they're they're respected as individuals. Like you can go out for dinner at 10 p.m. at night and kids and there'll be like three kids on the table and they'll be sitting, drawing and like they'll be like kind of running around and you're just like, eh, they're kind of here. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, totally. Um, I really like that idea of it. And it's not like it's not as isolating for the parents because I think that's one thing when we talk about community versus individualism. And I think you and I have probably chatted is like it's very isolating for people to have parents or to have children here. And you think, oh, it takes a village. But like, where's the village? Yes. There's no village. Yeah. I actually saw a TikTok actually the other day of a guy saying that society is um, in a way not set up for people to have kids. I don't think Western society is, yeah. Yeah, because they, you know, if you go out in public and your kid starts crying, you look at the parents like, what are you doing wrong? Get this thing out of here or if you're on a plane or a train Yeah, and all these things. And I'm so guilty of it that if I hear like a baby crying or like wailing, my first instinct is to be like, oh, that parent can't control their child. And then I I have to stop like and change my thought that that kid has not developed No, it's developmentally appropriate behavior. We can't be demonizing children. And that's so true because I think one thing that I think about is like from this book that I just finished reading is like we actually don't humanize children until Mm -hmm. they're at a certain age where we can respect them as individuals. Mm -hmm. But when they're really young, we kind of see them as just like mechanisms of like what they can do for us or entertain us or whatever. But we're very quick to write them off as being annoying or inconvenient or whatever, but like not respecting their humanity and like the fact that they're – going through this world for the very first time yeah. as we all are but obviously at the very beginning of it yeah and we just write them off as being like well you're inconveniencing me you're annoying yeah. me you're loud you're whatever it's like well they're actually literally they're children that deserve our yeah. utmost sincerity and respect and compassion and we are able to give those things to other things like animals and whatever but we don't do that necessarily with kids we're yeah. very quick to get annoyed at what they're doing totally when it's a hundred percent developmentally appropriate yeah as soon as it becomes kind of like eh I'm done. I'm, I'm kind of over it. You know what I mean? I totally get it. There's something I, I'm like loving this conversation so much because I don't know if we've ever actually sat to talk about this. I know I that so. you felt this way um, to an, a certain extent, but the one thing I wanted to quickly touch on is the money mindset. Just Yes, please. That's something that I'll be honest, like money mindset. I have financial literacy because my parents have taught me in that sense. Also, I went to school for business, so I'm, I'm kind yes. of aware of like 
you know, there's like a a, a mix of stuff. You know how thing, yeah, absolutely. yeah. I kind of understand how you're comfortable with work. the terminology. And, yes. yeah, exactly. However, there's your mindset around money is does dictate a, a bit about like how you spend and how you save and blah blah blah. And there is a part of me that I keep telling myself that I am meant to be rich. I just know in my heart that I'm supposed to be this wealthy ass individual. But that's not to say that I'm going to be like sitting on my yacht hoarding wealth while like everyone around right. me is getting paid like less than minimum We're wage. We're talking about ethical wealthy. <laughs> I just think that like the wealthier I am, the more I can help other people. Right. By making their lives easier and making maybe money not something that they need to worry about. Or Absolutely. I can. And so that's what I was thinking for you, Chris, of like to save and feel like that's a selfish thing. You can help more people when you are, are wealthier. Not Especially Absolutely. with and the mindset also, that so you have. Much of my, so much of my mental capacity right now is being drained, worrying about making rent and worried about when I'm filling exactly. up the gas, like car with gas and all these things. Like it does actually drain a lot of my mental capacity away from what I could be doing, which I think would have much more of a positive impact. So I, yeah. I totally agree with you. And then there's another part of me that – so as much as I have financial literacy – there is this subconscious thing and I'm, I would get into a little bit like this is a little bit fluffy and um, but there's this thing that maybe I have this belief, this limiting belief that as an artist, I'm not meant to be rich. So it's like very mm. conflicting because growing up, everyone, everyone was always like starving artist mentality. You know, you may not be, do this, blah, blah, blah. And so a big, big reason for buying my property was as a retirement plan. Because I'm like, I'm I'm a creative. I'm an artist. And I'm not going to have... You wanted a nest egg. Yeah. I'm not going to have RRSPs every single paycheck that are going into it. This is my RRSP. This is... Hopefully, I will never sell it. Hopefully, it will never leave my family. And it will continue for generations to come. I don't know. That's kind of my hope for it. But there's really like a limiting belief that like I'm not meant to make money. And right. that's Like your true calling is something... And that's the one thing that I find is so frustrating is that... The arts are not seen as something, and and I think this is where you and I have such a similarity. Is that yes. in my um, in my kind of career goals of being in sustainability, it's always seen as something as like almost like in the arts, where it's spoken about in the same way that it's disregarded and something that won't make money. It's like yeah. okay, but what will you do that will actually drive in, like bring income? Exactly. It's like this this is a fun little side hobby. You care about the environment. You want to do your little Instagram stories and do all that. That's great. But where is the career? What's the actual focus of this? Like how yes. are you going to make money? And I remember having conversations with you. You come back from a party and you're like, someone literally looked at me in the eyes and said like, <laughs> what do I actually do? Because like I can't actually just be an actor. I can't act, like almost like, yeah. and you'd be like, um, the audacity. You know what I mean? Truly, like what yeah. the hell? Yeah. And I think it's writing that off as like, you are what makes money. Like yeah. your value comes from your productivity, but not only your productivity, like going for a jog, but your productivity in terms of wealth, like yes. equity and yeah. And I just think that's the, the saddest way to look at it. Cause you're like, there's so many things. What would you ever go to Italy? Let's say for example, mm -hmm. and go to museums and look at bank statements. No, exactly. you go and you look at art. Art is humanity. It's literally what brings us all together. And yet somehow it is the least valued thing in terms of currency, in terms of like economic value. Yeah. And when someone says, I want to go to school to be a painter, everyone's like, mm, have fun with that. You're going to yeah. be living at home forever. It's like, go fuck yourself yeah. because you travel abroad once a year with your measly income to go look at art all over the world. So you literally. obviously know it's important. And when people go to plays, like, oh my God, it just it drives me, me crazy. What was that, especially right at the beginning of COVID,
mm-hmm. when everyone, when people were losing their jobs, when people were like, mon- the ec- the economy was like, what is Floundering. happening? Floundering, yeah. Everyone turned to art. Everyone started everyone. getting painted. Everyone's kits. painting. Everyone started getting, watching all their Netflix shows. Everyone was like, I'm reading this book, this podcast. I hate to bring it to you. You are listening to art. Yeah. Right now. And also when you take away economic drive and you're just forced to be. Yeah. It's art. You you are drawn to art, you little fuckers. <laughs> I know. I know. I feel But sued. it's frustrating. I know. No, it does because people are like, and I think that this is where I get passion because it also, I think it just p- parallels so well with my career as well as like, you just don't value it until it's not that it's too late, but until you like something hits you upside the head and you're like, oh, this is actually very important regardless of its monetary value. Yeah. And that we are more than money-making machines, regardless yeah. of what we've been told constantly. Yeah. And that's why I think when I'm trying to meet people, I don't want to ask them like what they do. I know. I want to ask like, what do you care about? It's and so we instinctive. About this as well. Like yeah. it's so instinctive to be like, what do you do? So what, yeah. what's your, what do you do? It's like, well, we are not what we do. Yeah. So also I'm going to go down another little fluffy road because that's fluffy, fluffy. what I do. Um, mm-hmm. Chris, when you were talking about this of I've never felt like home, I was really, really thinking about this a lot and I would love to do this for myself. But okay. there's a concept in astrology okay. that that's where I'm that's where I'm going. Astrocartography, yes. Where okay, I don't I'm know exactly. Look it up. But I don't know what's it called again. Astrocartography. Okay. And I love it's the, name the reason that when you go to New York, you feel rejuvenated. Right. But it's also the there's reason, something there, right? It's like on yeah, some sort of crystal it's, thing. It's I remember reading that, like, and I was like, that kind of makes sense. <laughs> it's literally like something along the something around the topic of like where your line crosses a certain thing. I don't know. I would love to freaking get an astrologer on here one day because I... Oh my God, me too. Absolutely love this shit. But it's it's that the day and the time and the minute that you were born, mm-hmm. there's something in your astrology that basically says that this is where your heart is. This is where right. you feel the most at home. So not to say for me, Toronto is like where I feel at most peace. I feel love maybe the most. Right. But at most peace, like I do think there's like a European place for me that that's kind of where my my heart and my home lie. But okay. anyway, I'm so curious to know if one day, I don't know, I feel like we should go get our astro, like we should find out our astro cartography and figure I, out I 100% like agree. where I'm- yours is and where mine is. Okay, I'm try. I just looked it up. I literally, and so I put in my time of play. Like I, the thing is, is that I don't know how to read this. I yeah, am a so geography gal, but it basically goes through. I don't know what they mean. That's all the of thing. these you different gotta lines, get- basically. Yeah. So I'll just explain really quick. So you have, like, I'm an Aries. Yeah. And you put in your time and the place that you were born, and then it basically just like projects all of these lines that are are different kind of. I guess astrology kind of whatever, signs and yeah. whatever, like our risings and our moons and whatever. And it intersects it with the entire map of the world. And these lines, I guess, fall wherever they fall. Mm-hmm. And then which is funny because I see it and it's fallen something. on Halifax. One of them has fallen on Halifax and one of them has fallen on Mexico and one of them has fallen on Barcelona, which is actually crazy because right? those are three places. Like I went to school in Halifax. My boyfriend's family's from Mexico. And you're moving to Spain. And I'm moving to Spain. And there's so a lot of other ones. Like there's yeah, ones in I like. I think it's a very real thing because I I do wow. feel a different energy in places. And that's just the same thing when people are like, I could never live in New York. I'm like, oh, I could. Like honey. Yeah. A hundred percent. There's not a doubt in my mind. And then it's other people who are like, oh my God, I just feel drawn to 
Bali. Like, I don't know. Right. But it's something in your astro cartography. Honestly, I'm just looking for another reason to go. So if Baby, I'm like, hey, this is babes, it. it's actually in the sun and the stars. It's, it's not actually up to me. Yeah, talking yeah. to my parents and they're like, what the hell are you Yeah, girl, are you okay? <laughs> yeah, seriously. They've asked that question more than once before. So yeah. <laughs> it wouldn't be the first time. I totally, I totally agree. We've gone okay, on so many that. tangents, but I really think that this is like... No, but it's important because I, I think when we talk about money, when we talk about home, when we talk about our future, there's like hopelessness, but then there's also optimism. And I always yeah. like to think of myself as someone that's very optimistic. But at the end of the day, there are these kind of external forces that are keeping us busy and yeah. distracted and down. And when we don't pay attention to them and like realize that they don't have any power over us, like people live their entire lives going through the motions and just living, like existing. simply existing, just hoping that yeah. they can make rent, hoping. And I just. There's my more to life heart than that. Cries for that because I I know at the end of the day that it's not actually their own fault. Like it is a yeah. function of the society that we were growing up in. Yes, everything links back to capitalism, but 100%, yeah. But it does keep us busy and distracted, you know, mm-hmm. and I think the one thing that I think you and I care about deeply and I think I care about for all of our listeners as well is to get outside of that and really challenge mm-hmm. like we only can do this once. Yeah. So pause and take a second especially at the beginning of the yeah. new year. And just reflect on what you actually want your life to look like. Yeah. I follow this one creator that's like, just make up a personality, like your ideal version of yourself, I like know, a superhero. Yeah. And then all you have to do once you figured out like what kind of clothes do they wear? Like how yeah. do they present themselves? Are they super confident? Are they like this? Are they, do Be they eat person. a certain way or act a certain way? And just act like that person, yeah. almost like a play. Yeah. And really the only thing that changes is that we realize that all of this is a ch- like a lot of this is a choice. It is a choice, yeah. And how we show up, how we respond, how we react, it's just patterns of decisions that we've been like accustomed to making. Yeah. But we can really change them whenever we want to. Yeah. Like I can all of a sudden decide to be a complete asshole. I'm sure I have made that decision more than <laughs> once. But, but I can also ch- like choose to be yeah calmer and more responsive and less reactive. You know what I mean? Like yeah, it's just, all of these things. Once you're conscious of it, yeah, choose. Um, and I'm choosing to go to Spain. <laughs> totally. But because also, my astro cartography map told me to. Listen, baby, I'll see you in Barcelona. But uh, yeah, something honestly, I also we'll wanted to say was um I find what I something I find funny, and I try to do this every single time I go away. When I come back from so there's specific places. When I come back from New York, I feel really energized creatively. Yes. I am like, I want to do this, 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 and this. It all feels possible. It all feels you get possible. get the jitters. And it's we like, I, I don't have enough like hands to write and and type mm-hmm. this out it's and whatever. Through, like yeah. it's Absolutely. just, there's so much. Like the other day when I was going to New York about a month ago, I was sitting in the airport and I was like buzzing. I was like, I'm going to be an author. I don't know why. I, <laughs> I'm writing a book. It's done I'm going to write a book. I'm going to be a bestseller. Yeah. Um, not sure what, not sure why I've never written anything in my life, but there's that. And then when I come back from Europe, the pace and the feeling of just like comfort and home and mm-hmm. all of this stuff and the and the slowness of life, um, I always say, okay, you know what? I'm going to come back to Toronto and that's what I'm going to bring with me. If I can't bring it anything else with me, I'm yeah. going to bring that back. I'm going to be much slower in my day. I'm going to I'm going to sit and have my coffee. I'm going to go to a coffee shop and not ask for a takeout. I'm going to ask for a mug so that I'm forced sit. to sit there. Yeah. And read my book and journal and like sit with my boobs out or something. I don't know. That's what yeah. Europe is. And so totally. <laughs> I'm like <laughs> Doesn't everyone in Spain do that? Yeah, um, absolutely. 
And so I really try to bring that back. But then the city is not, North America is not, not set conducive. up for that. It's no. not set up for that. No. So I don't know. There's just got to be a way to bring an element of that at least to our lives. I hope so. And I think with more financial freedom, that just becomes more and more possible because yeah. as the lower and middle class work harder, like that labor is going somewhere. You know what I mean? Like we just yeah. have to find a way of slowing ourselves down while yeah. still being able to afford the life we want to live, which is the greatest struggle right now, I think. It is. Yeah. But it doesn't mean that it's not possible. It's very possible. Anything in this life is possible. Yeah. Okay. So takeaways. Me and Chris are going to do our astrocartography. Yeah, honestly, if anyone knows anyone that's in like any field of like astrology or yeah. any of that stuff, we want to have them on the podcast. So let us know. DM we're us because so we're down. pumped. And B, um, I'll see you in Spain. Absolutely. You I'll will. be there in September. So I know. I can't believe that. I'm Actually, gonna... send me your dates. We'll talk after. Yeah. <laughs> Let's go over the trip. I will be staying at this hotel at this yes. time. Um, and I'm super excited. Yeah, me too. Anyway, and we always love hearing from you guys. If you have comments about this or if you feel a certain way or if you have just upped and left somewhere left and the Tell us because about it. you found your, a new community, you all of that, we want to hear about it. We love hearing about it. We do. And we love you. This has been Accidental Friends with Lean and Kristen. This podcast was created by us and is produced by Chloe Jackson. Thank you so much for listening. You can check us out on Instagram at Accidental Friends Podcast. And don't forget to subscribe, share, and please leave a review. We love you and we'll see you on Thursday.